So there's been a lot of a lot of talk about these AirPods Max. Believe it or not, I didn't. I don't even have mine yet. I didn't get mine yet. No. Uh, it's been FedEx and this and that, but I think tomorrow I'm gonna finally get my hands on these AirPods Max. However, I have been watching all the videos that are out there. It's crazy, Will, on the internet, man. You can really choose your own adventure. You can really get what you want as a viewer. That's We're spoiled. The, yeah, that's the state of the internet in 2020. And by get what what you want, I mean you can get the point of view that you're looking for. Yes. If you want somebody to uh, confirm your point of view, that will be there for you as an option. That's what I want. Yep. And if you want somebody to confirm your point of view, yet your point of view happens to be on the opposite end of the spectrum from that other person's point of view, yeah, that exists too. Uh-huh. You can get whatever you want. It makes it confusing for somebody that's in the middle. Somebody that doesn't have a strong point of view one way or the other that has to sift through this variety of uh, content that's out there that is on is, is all over the, the place on this spectrum. It's well, it's the nature of the thing, I suppose. When you have all this content, all um, this 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 ability to create it and publish it, and all these various opinions, this is the nature of it. It's just you got to sift. It's what you got to do. Out of sifting. Uh, but anyways, I've watched enough content on these AirPods Max to feel like I have somewhat of a grasp on what these things are, even prior. Now, maybe my impression is therefore going to be colored by the fact that I've had this exposure. I will attempt to go into it as vanilla as possible. I'll, I'll try to keep the mind opened up there. Uh, you know, I like headphones, Will. Hmm. However, one thing that many people agree on, on every end of the spectrum, is that the case is a little bit funky. The case. The case has really riled people up in the entire tech community. Maybe maybe even more so than the product itself. This case, this purse case, exposed section case. Again, I haven't played with it, so I'm going to reserve my judgment just a little bit. But at first glance, I uh, I also am a little skeptical. <laughs> I mean, it just it elicits a very strange feeling inside of me somewhere. Well, mm. I feel weird when I look at it, but maybe that's my issue. Maybe right. that's not the case's issue. Maybe I'm not just maybe I'm just not looking at it correctly. Ugh. Anyway, one thing is for certain that this case, it's not just about looks, it's also it serves a major purpose in your experience and the life you're about to live with this $550 headset. Mm -hmm. This case represents the only way to set your headphones down and have them go into a low power mode. Mm -hmm. uh, in other words, it's your only version of a power button that you have yes and it's utilizing these magnets in order to power off and that just feels for me again i haven't touched the product yet but it feels for me like an unnatural thing for me to do with an at-home listening type of headset with a 550 dollars headset that's probably going to live next to a computer or a laptop or mostly be used at home i don't want to place it in a case every single time mm -hmm. sometimes i just want to place it down Especially if I use it every day. Mm -hmm. And I know I can charge it. It's not wireless, but I know I can charge it without the case on a wire, right? Can do that. Mm -hmm. But I can't just power it off. Yeah, there's no off button. I can't just put it in that low power mode by tapping a button. And that's a bit... That would have seemed like such a simple thing for Apple to add in there. Mm -hmm. Now I know 
They want everybody to have the fully magical experience of feeling like you're part of a cohesive ecosystem, a whole world of gadgetry that comes together to give your experience, and a power switch just doesn't say that in the same way as the marrying of your headset into your headset purse. Mm -hmm. It does so much more for you. All right, fine. Anyway, it hasn't stopped people from attempting to find a way to turn these things off without inserting them in the case. And... Of course, the way in which to do that is to first identify the location of the ever-important magnets that exist in there that interface with the purse case to put these into their low-power consumption mode. So we have a user on YouTube later reposted by 9to5Mac, but I should shout out the uh, YouTube user's name. His name is... Uh, Max, what was his Thanks name? For Thanks, Thanks for joining. For joining us today. I have with me the AirPods Mac. Technology... Emergent Technology is the channel on YouTube. Okay. Did you? Yeah. So, so yeah. So this YouTuber, Emergent Technology, he started with some of that magnetic paper to try to identify the location of these important magnets on the headset that uh, would interact with the case, the purse, to put the headset into the low power mode. And then he had his Bluetooth connected and he was moving two fridge magnets around after having identified the location to figure out what sequence is necessary to cause the headset to disconnect from the Bluetooth, otherwise uh, effectively figuring out the off switch. Mm -hmm. So it turns out it's on the back of each ear cup, and he can use these tiny little, which he chose to use some kind of cute little magnets there. I guess one is a fox and the other is a dog or two dogs. I don't know. They're quite fancy fridge magnets. Anyway, he found the location push down and realize that you have to trigger both spots at the same time to power down the headset. Mm. So it's, well, it's, I mean, it's cool that he found it, but it's kind of useless for the average. No one is carrying around magnets. Yeah. And it's not an easy fix or hack that you're actually going to be able to execute in any other way other than carrying around magnets or the case. Yes. So our takeaway is, what is our takeaway? It sucks. I don't know. There's no power no. switch. So I'm trying to imagine a world in which these are my main headphones next to my computer, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, I mean, I'm sure Apple wants me to imagine that. It means that every time I take the headphones off, I'm either plugging them in, which doesn't make any sense because they have 20 hour battery life and I rarely would use headphones for 20 hours a day. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a couple hours. So I'm just definitely, doesn't make sense to charge them every single time or I'm going to be putting them in this case. So I'm really curious to see when I get my hands on this what the the case process is, because I just really wish I could lay them down when I when not in use and they would just power off. Yeah. Like they know they have the sensors necessary to know when they're on your head or not. Yeah, accelerometer or something. They they know it's off the head because it pauses yeah. the music, so they know when they're off the head. So why not just go into if it's off the head for. Five minutes, you go into low power. Yeah, if it's not moving. If it's not moving and it hasn't been, it hasn't been put back on the head. I don't know. I don't know what the reason for this is, but it is. It does seem like maybe something they could address via software. Mm -hmm. So maybe if this message gets out there and people really cross their fingers, I don't know. I don't think it's gonna happen, but maybe it's possible for Tim and the crew to go in there and enable something like that as an option via software, where you could toggle the switch to have a, a timeout because mm. my understanding is right now with these things off your head, but not in the case, 
they're bleeding battery at a similar rate to regular noise canceling listening. Really? Which is, you know, that means they're going to be dead every time you come back, pretty much, if you didn't put them in the case. Wow, that so is So it's a, a rough strange. and weird design, yeah. design decision at the moment. We'll see. I have the product coming. FedEx says tomorrow. It's FedEx's right. fault if I don't shoot a video tomorrow at okay. this point. But I know it's a very busy time of year. Shout out to the FedEx guys. Shout, I'm not going to be one of these people posting how mad I am on well, social media. Did. No. No, no, no. <laughs> Shout out sure. FedEx. Shout out UPS. Yeah. Shout out Postal everybody. Because this time of year, you combine COVID holidays, Will. They're working. It's a lot of work. It's tough. And it still feel like feels like magic to me that I get the package as quick as I do anyway. Yep. So I'm just... Maybe I'm just in that state of mind at the time for the time yeah, being. We're all consumers. I'm just gonna be in that state of mind. Today's sponsor, Zendesk. As you guys know, as I've mentioned in the past, uh, Zendesk is a service that I actually use. It is, uh, of course, uh, for customer support. Anybody who has any type of e-commerce business out there, you gotta worry about your customers and their entire experience, start to finish. It can be very difficult to manage all kinds of incoming customer service because it's coming from everywhere these days, Will. Mm -hmm. uh, I have the case company, later case, and we utilize Zendesk tools in order to track customer service across multiple platforms and interact with customer service across multiple platforms, including places like social media, places like Twitter, uh, stuff coming in via the email looking for customers. So it can come from anywhere. You can gather it all up inside of Zendesk and prioritize. So yep. these are this is these are tools for anybody doing customer service, anybody wanting to enhance their business, their online business, small business. I don't care what it is you're selling or doing. If you have customers, you have customer service. You want to streamline the customer service as well. You see how that goes customer Service. I hear you, yeah. You service the customer. You keep having customers. With customer service. Yes. With customer service. Because otherwise, I'll tell you what, man. If you have the crap customer service, then the people, they write the report, and it goes on to the trust pilot, and it's, and yeah. pe and it could have just been a one-off type thing. You could have just missed it because you didn't have the tools to see the actual inquiry. Mm -hmm. So, listen, Zendesk is used by small businesses, big businesses, across the board. Uh, you can communicate seamlessly across all channels, as I mentioned, email, phone, chat, messenger, community forum, help center, and social media. Zendesk calls that a conversational experience connected, ongoing, natural customer interactions. This is made possible with Zendesk's complete customer profile and unified set of tools that give you the context you need to deliver great service in every conversation most support software requires expensive consultants and months of setup but with zendesk it takes just a couple of hours to get up and running there are currently 150,000 paid customer accounts and over a decade of experience at zendesk like i said if you have customers upgrade your customer service get over to zendesk.com slash lou later that's z-e-n desk.com slash lou later i'll also drop drop the link down in the description so you can check it out for yourself. Try it out for yourself. Zendesk.com slash Lou later. We have some new images of the upcoming S21 lineup. 
I believe our tabs are uh, not arranged here. I guess not. It's the one with the new colors. The new colors. S21 renders show off Samsung's 2021 color palette. Okay. And what we're looking at is some flowery tones. We have some lavenders and pinks and kind of the hot colors of uh, recent memory for devices. And we get to see them rendered out on the new form factor. I'm actually reading this article on Android Police. Oh. Headline, leaked Galaxy S21 renders color palette. And so anyways, uh, they show off the S21 regular. They have the S21 Plus and also an S21 Ultra in a variety of colors. Rumors stating they could use the phantom terminology in there. Phantom gray, phantom white. Not the same colors across the board. And there's also an interesting one second from the left there, which is like a purplish lavender hue. And then it looks to have a pink section a rose section up around the cameras. So that's the regular S21, the four colors there. It's that, uh, the white, the sort of pale black, and then those two, the pink and bluish plus purplish pink color. As you move down, you scroll down, you'll see the plus model represented in a much more black black. So darker black hmm. than what the S21 looks like. So the S21 is sort of your more typical matte, what they would call black but we haven't had this dark black finish and i think this might be the one that we saw in that hands-on video where it looked like a very matte black type of finish anyway that that's the s21 plus being shown off in that color and then at the very bottom in what might be called phantom silver then we have the ultra model with the enormous camera module and i don't know Phantom Silver doesn't really suit this one because it looks to have a gradient thing going on, although maybe that's the Phantom component. You can't see it. You can't tell. It's I don't know. Elusive. It's elusive. The pinpointing it is elusive like a Phantom. Anyway, it looks to go from a bluish silver to almost like an iceberg type of silver at the top. Could be the reflection on the, from the light, but nonetheless, uh, that's kind of a cool color. That one should be really resistant when it comes to the fingerprints. However, you're going to slap a later case on there anyways. And believe it or not, uh, I, I'm going to be able to show you cases for these devices very soon. I've actually already seen the prototypes hmm. for all of these. So you can, well, you can put whatever you want on there. If you decide to go with a case, that's completely up to you. But these are the colors you, you will likely have a selection of when this thing eventually launches. We're getting really close to S21, S21 Plus, S21 Ultra. Now, speaking of the S lineup, one of the stories that emerged recently was around the S Pen and how it was going to be compatible and marketed with the upcoming S21 launch. And it got some people thinking that, oh, well, that might indicate the death of the Note lineup. And we had reports, multiple reports, in fact, we talked about it, mm -hmm. that people inside had suggested People inside, people who know more than us will. Kind of like a Samsung Min Chi Kuo. Yeah, maybe that's who it was. Yeah. So we had indication that not only was it RIP to the Note series, but also just the Note series was a bit of a flop hmm. this time around. Now, obviously, Samsung, they watch Lou later, and they track the news, and they come out with a statement, what's the matter with you? 
Yeah. They How come out you? with a, Yeah, they come out with a statement. Although it's actually not quite a statement. It's actually another we look, a Samsung of, official apparently made this statement on condition of anonymity to yeah. this particular press outlet, Yonhap News Agency, which is a Korean news agency. So Yonhap has somebody come come to them anonymously previous reports anonymous so who knows what to believe mm -hmm. but anyway according to this individual according to this publication note 20 a note series not dead note 20 not the last note hmm. this individual denied rumors that it will that samsung will discontinue the note series next year saying that the flagship phablet line will live on despite the rise of other premium devices they say it was a big, it was a bunch of confusion around the S Pen thing. They say what Samsung's really working on is bringing S Pen functionality to more Galaxy devices, period. And that people misinterpreted that that would mean the death of the Note. Hmm. So that could be where your S21 announcement, your S21 Ultra, possibly even your follow up fold products all get the pen, but the Note remains as kind of the most pen oriented device with an actual little chamber for the pen to go into i don't know hmm. obviously conflicting reports here you have to decide which is which your which one you want to believe however according to this one they're working on it right now and it's going to have another note series this year so we'll wait and see if it's r.i.p or note city yeah. uh, that didn't uh, rhyme mm. cyberpunk 2077 you beat the game. You're an absolute savage. I did, yeah. I uh, am jealous, to yeah. say the least. Well, yeah. well, I don't know. Because uh, I just imagine what that would look like, that setting. You know, Willie Do lights a candle. You're so relaxed. I picture you being so relaxed playing this game. Because it's about 15 hours to beat it, right? 15, 20, yeah. Between, for the main campaign. 15 to 20 hours for the main campaign. So I got a picture... A comfort level that you would have for 15 oh, yeah. to 20 hours definitely so explain the setup to me <laughs> i want to just paint the picture of what you look like doing that well underwear obviously wow and uh probably me undies right me undies yeah right good um pajamas off and uh i'm just chilling chilling on my pc just hanging out um, wow headphones for sure gotta Headphone. get the ambience Headphone experience, how loud How loud you have them turned up? Max. Max? <laughs> yeah. That can be a little jumpy. Yeah, yeah. At max. Yeah. Is, there any I mean, is there any stuff that caught you off guard? At max, did you get a little suspense, a little something at any yeah, point? Yeah, the music is really good. Okay. The soundtrack. I heard I that. Say. I heard about that, um, yeah. Are there snacks like, involved in your session? Uh, No, not really, no. Hydration, yes. Need to, you know, just plain water. plain water. Yeah, I, w I would say cold yeah. or not uh, even cold. Temperate. Oh my temperate. goodness gracious, that's terrible. What do you mean? I can't put up with this. <laughs> that's my vibe. I can't put up with this. So it's like a glass of of uh, room temperature water. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Sounds my like my room is actually pretty cold, so it kind of balances. Okay, out. it's a little better than room temperature. Interesting. And how about Otis? Is uh, he's he just chilling. Uh, Beside uh, beside my desk, wow. in his little nook. And then 15 hours. Do you feel like the 15 hours went fast or slow? 
Oh, way fast. Went fast. Yeah, I was in the story. You were the, into it. Cyberpunk is really good with the whole experience. Oh, like we should ask you. We should just graphics. ask you real quick. Okay. I keep interrupting your explanation. But Pete, this this is the real question people need to know. Yeah. What kind of a rig were you playing it on, and how were the graphics? So I ran a 2080 Ti um, on a laptop, and I was playing. Well, it's a PC setup, and I was playing 2K uh, resolution. Not a fan of like the 4K. I would rather prefer quality over um, well quality in terms of like the features in the game yeah like texture i guess performance yeah right. not not quality performance like higher frame rate oh, okay. or lower resolution that's kind of what i go for right um and it it was butter it was i was getting like 80 frames per second which is pretty good so yeah. you weren't on the laptop though you were the laptop pushing out to a monitor over yeah. hdmi yeah so you had a bigger display as well yep nice and it was fine. Like I encountered bugs. There are bugs there for sure. Uh, one that was game breaking, but other than that, it's been pretty pretty solid. I would say. All right. So that's Willie Do's review right there. But I I feel for the console players, the last gen. Willie like, Do gives it an A plus plus. I actually do. It's a really great. <laughs> you all should check it out. It's good. <laughs> Not everybody is on the same page as he says he feels for the console players. Apparently, according to this article, Cyberpunk 2077 issues have cost the founders of CD Projekt more than a billion dollars off of their value. Their value. Uh, this doesn't mean that a billion dollars left their bank account, but they're obviously heavily invested in the company. The company is distributed amongst these founders and collectively they've seen a billion dollars wiped out because of the stock market and the public's reaction to the game, some of the negative press and the negative experiences, which led people to, uh, well, sell, sell their stock, essentially lowering the stock price of the company and wiping that billion dollars out. However, you and I, we were checking on this. Well, we're checking on it right now. We were checking on it a little bit earlier. It uh, seems to be recovering a little bit. You look at the five-day there. We were definitely up from the low, but it did plummet pretty hard from peak. I mean, it's obviously hard to meet the pre-release hype mm -hmm. post-release, but as you can see, it's starting to come back a little bit. You and I were talking about CD Projekt's track record, having done the Witcher project for mm -hmm. and ser servicing it, supporting that project for an extended period after the release. The expectation here, such a big project, such a big game, mm -hmm. that they would do the same. In fact, on uh, the call, what was it? It's like an investor's call yep. with the CEO of the company stating, look, we're committed to this game. We apologize for the experience. We're going to keep fixing this game, and we have the resources to do so. Mm -hmm. And the actual cost, in fact, this is another thing he said, the cost of going in and making these fixes pales in comparison uh, pales in comparison to the amount that's already been invested mm -hmm. saying it won't be that big of a deal i'm not too worried about it obviously trying to trying to build the investors back up saying hey don't jump ship don't go sell these don't go sell these shares right now mm -hmm. well obviously that would impact me personally but also not me personally but if i were the ceo but also just to instill some level of confidence in the end user who's going to hear that call or read those reports yeah. 
and try to decide for themselves, okay, how angry should I be? Am I hunting for a refund or am I going to let this one play out a little bit and see if these bug fixes and things come through? And who knows, maybe these guys get their billion back. Yeah, hopefully uh, the gamers will win in this situation. It's just a matter of time. We'll see. Takes time. It it takes time to make which a great which game. believe it or not, it's hard enough in regular life to get people to buy that. Like no one wants to hear that. Oh, it takes time. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're trying to buy or build, or I was talking about my my headphones not showing up. Like that excuse, the excuse of time in our era right now when everything is so immediate. It's a tough pitch. This game took so long to build already. And then you're like, no, nah, it's going to take a little bit more time. And people are like, yeah. time? Mm -hmm. I'm out of time. I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I agree with you. It's, it's, it takes time. It's going to continue to take time. In fact, I was saying to you earlier, some people perceive these projects like they do Hollywood films, like movies. Yeah. But a movie is in way simpler on an, in an, on a number of levels, maybe not every level, but on a number of levels than executing a project like this. This is more like software. Mm -hmm. Well, it is software. <laughs> and we're at a point where these projects are so enormous that these types of bug fixes, patches, it's, it's just become the expectation. Mm -hmm. And maybe if we shift, shift our idea a little bit about what these things are, if we look at them like operating systems, and less like movies, maybe we can get to a healthier place with our expectations. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit of patience. Is, yeah, uh, I mean, it does feel like a movie when you're in it, but it's, f I mean, the complexity of executing this thing compared to a movie, it's just, a, it's many layers deeper. Yeah, I guess as soon as you interact with whatever um, people created, it becomes infinitely more variables unbelievable yeah. movie movie you just got to get yourself in front of it yeah and have a half decent setup to watch it yeah. it's hard to figure out where games fit from that sense because mm -hmm. there's narrative there's characters it feels more like a movie but if you were to look at the bits if you were to look at the data sure don't look like a movie Zeros and ones yeah sure don't look like a movie yeah look at the code <laughs> uh speaking of code one of the ways I've been testing out Cyberpunk, one of the only ways I've been able to find a little bit of time to play it is on Google Stadia. And I was actually surprised at the Google Stadia experience mm. for Cyberpunk 2077. Talked about it before. However, up until moments ago, it's been impossible for individuals on iOS devices, on iPhones and iPads to enjoy Cyberpunk 2077. However, that changes right now, stadia.google.com. This is the easiest and most obvious workaround. Every single company that's been trying to do business with Apple in the App Store with a game streaming service has been failing. They have not been able to agree upon a method for which how that can happen. Facebook had issues. Amazon had issues. Epic. <laughs> Epic has Epic issues. And Stadia is the same. However, Google said, you know what? We're Google. And we're going to find a way. Mm -hmm. And the product already worked so well in the Chrome browser you think to yourself, well, why not just launch in a mobile browser? Well, that's what they did. No right. app necessary. You just navigate to stadia.google.com. You log into your Stadia account, and you're playing Cyberpunk 2077 on your iPhone or iPad. Yeah. And I think 
like when I think of the iPad Pro, for example, that could be a really nice gaming experience. Yeah, you just kind of prop it up. You that's prop your it display, up, and then you have a controller. That's it. It's a it's a it's a nice fast refresh display. You forget. Oh yeah. Right. It's faster than a lot of laptops hmm. at 120, and. The speaker system is another thing that gets overlooked. As far as mobile devices are concerned, iPad has a great speaker system. And so now, I mean, if you don't want to use headphones, and now you don't have a keyboard in your way like a laptop. So if you've connected to Stadia controller, you can pull it wherever you yeah, want. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, you can play in bed or it's kind of a nice experience. So Cyberpunk 2077 effectively comes to an enormous user base here. Mm. You know, Stadia is going to get a piece. Google doesn't mind. But this is on the upswing. This is on the upside for those same dudes who lost that Billy. Now the sin is saying, well, I mean, I don't know how this story is going to get out there. I don't think iOS users are going to immediately figure it out in the same way they would as if Cyberpunk just showed up in the app store. But we're, we're getting the word out right now. Mm -hmm. If you own an iOS device, this is by far the cheapest way and you don't own a console and you don't own a gaming PC because mm -hmm. you can't play this game on Mac outside of a web browser either. Mm-hmm. If you, have an, if you have a MacBook or something like this. So it's really solves some problems for you here. Yeah. If you're in the, you know, um, Apple ecosystem and you want to play Cyberpunk, like, now you can. Chance. And Google made it possible for you. That's kind of, uh, well, obviously there's something in it for Google, but it's, I don't know if this workaround is the permanent thing. It's a bit unfortunate that a native app can't get approved for these game streaming services inside of iOS, but obviously Apple has its own game streaming product. And, and of course, they, they also, that's not the reason they claim it's a security issue with all these uh, various pieces of software launching from inside of another piece of software. Mm -hmm. Maybe that'll get fixed up one day, maybe not, but this is the best in the meantime. And I can speak to the web browser experience that it's actually, it surprised me how much it feels like an app once right. you're in the browser version of Stadia. So I think iOS users are going to be surprised. Maybe go give it a try. Mm -hmm. Let me know how that goes. Maybe I'll give it a try. Maybe I'll, I'll scrounge up one of those iPad Pros and uh, see what it's like. Yeah, it definitely beats the last-gen uh, base models for sure. The last-gen what? Base model. Uh, oh, uh, PS4? And PS4? Don't don't even mention that anymore. Okay, yeah. Just people... You said that's like 40% of people are playing it on old consoles. Like and that, I, yeah. that's, that really scared me yeah. to think that almost half of the experiences with the game are as bad as I've been hearing. Uh, and then the other half are guys like you who are like A++. Yeah. Because you got well, your... Well, I'm privileged, to be honest. Oh, I, I agree. Well, I can agree with that. So, I can agree with that. Exactly. <laughs> One more piece of Google news. Uh, little, a little announcement here. Google... And Qualcomm teamed up to say that alongside the launch of this new 888 Snapdragon, uh, they're going to announce support for four years of software updates on Android devices with, obviously, with Qualcomm chips in them. Now, this has been a sticking point on Android, particularly compared to iOS, this idea of how long does my support go? Never mind just a software update to bring a feature or something like that, but what about a security update that's necessary for me to continue using the device? And, of course, on iOS, you're basically updating the thing until your phone just can't even run it anymore. It's forever, right? Mm -hmm. You got people running iPhone 6s, which I got to 
a story coming up, somebody running an iPhone 6. On Android, that hasn't really been the case. People's upgrade cycle is a bit different, and software support just hasn't gone on that long. Well, this announcement obviously points in the alternative direction that companies are committed to the idea, and they do want to compete on that level, longevity of, of your device. However, we have it's not unprecedented. We saw Samsung make a similar claim. I believe they said three years. Pixel devices, well, that can go on for a while as well. But it's good news nonetheless because it's a partnership that affects an extraordinary number of devices. When you think of the number of Snapdragon devices, Qualcomm-based mm -hmm. Android devices that are in the world or coming into the world in 2020, 2021, I mean, it's a tremendous variety. So for that wide range to have access to this level of support, is something. it is something new. Now, it's a bit tricky the way that they worded this announcement because it's still kind of up to the manufacturer. They're going to make it a little bit easier, but it's still up to the manufacturer. So, to so, a certain extent. Yeah, so they're going to do their best. That's what they're trying to say. They're going to do their best. Yeah. They're going to do their best. Three years of major OS updates and four years of security updates. Look, at least they're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. At least they're talking about it. Yeah. That's something. Facebook is really upset with Apple. I don't know if you heard this one. Um, I've heard, yeah. It was like the top of trending. So this Google. story is something that we began to talk about what, months ago now. Right around the time the Epic stuff was breaking, th around the news of upcoming iOS software that was going to make ad targeting far more difficult. And, well, just pri was going to enhance privacy in general and alert users on iOS about anything that was tracking any of their behaviors and asking them to opt in or opt out. This affects Facebook in a really big way. Mm -hmm. Facebook requires this level of tracking to show relevant ads. Relevant ads are successful, Will. <laughs> relevant ads work on the internet. They definitely work, especially Instagram. Yeah, especially Instagram. They have really good ads. <laughs> and, and relevant ads drive sales. And relevant ads allow Facebook to take a percentage. Yep. And so with this switch, making users aware of how tracked they are, the thinking is that most users on iOS are going to opt out. Now, that's an, it's a tremendous footprint of people. Mm -hmm. And this thing is actually rolling out for real. This thing is happening for real. It was... There, there was a pause button placed on it from when we first started talking about it, but now it's rolling out and Facebook is starting to fear big time because they drive a tremendous amount of revenue. Now, Facebook comes out and says, no, nah, it's not us we're worried about. We'll be fine. It's all the small businesses that use our ad tracking to survive. Hmm. And so Facebook comes out and says, without personalized ads, Facebook data shows that the average small business advertiser stands to see a cut of over 60% in their sales for every dollar they spend. While limiting how personalized ads can be used does impact larger companies like us, these changes will be devastating to small businesses, adding to the many challenges they face right now. So Facebook not only said that, they took out some big-time advertising, some huge publications, including the Wall Street Journal and others, New York, New York Times, Washington Post. They said, we're standing up to Apple for small businesses everywhere. So 
they're kind of pulling the epic card in saying we're yeah we're big but we're looking out for the little guy right we're big but we're not as big as apple kind of thing Mm -hmm. apple's the big bad one now this is such a difficult one to decompress because i feel as though when you give the average the average person first of all doesn't truly appreciate to what degree they're being tracked to what degree their online experiences are catered to them i think the average person they i mean i'm just projecting right now because i'm aware of this stuff but i think the average person picks up their thing and they scroll and it's like maybe the furthest they get in analysis is oh, this thing knows everything about me. And that's it. That's the level of sophistication. It just knows everything about me. People haven't really existed in a non-tracked, non-catered, non-curated version of a web experience for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And may, from a knee-jerk perspective, switch off the thing without necessarily recognizing that their ads are going to get worse, that they're still going to get ads. They'll just be worse. Uh You'll be looking at stuff that's less relevant to you. Yeah. But you're not getting tracked. So I I wonder about the awareness level from the end user's perspective, but that's obviously not what Facebook's talking about. Mm. Facebook is simply talking about transactions and the fact that these ads work. Mm-hmm. For me, if an ad works, it means the person wanted the thing that was being advertised. Mm-hmm. At least enough so to pull the trigger to get inside of Facebook's data as far as the transaction having taken place. So the, it's kind of a counterintuitive thing. The person turns off the tracking of the ads, yet they utilize them to get the things they want. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happens here if this takes place is that companies like Google presumably get some degree of advantage back their way because I mean, they track you as well, but it's inside of their products. Facebook only has, well, I guess Facebook has a, has a handful of products too, but Google, the search engine is still the default search engine on Apple and on iPhones. And Google pays a boatload of money in order to maintain that position. Mm-hmm. Facebook might not have a secondary play to get users into its ecosystem outside of this uh, this advertising scenario that currently exists for them. So anyway, they're upset. They claim they're against the big bad one, and they're probably looking for other companies that use this type of technology to get on their side. I'm curious what you guys think, people watching this, what you would select when you have the option presented to you via iOS, whether or not you want to let Facebook track your behavior at the expense of potentially seeing irrelevant ads, what will you select when you're granted the option? Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like, what if the button said relevant ads based on your history or irrelevant ads based on your privacy? Like, Mm. some of it is phrasing too. Like Apple could phrase it in such a way that isn't so terrible for companies like Facebook, or they could phrase it in such a way that makes you believe it's pure evil. Like this application is tracking you throughout a variety of apps, including bang, 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 bang. 
and it pinged you 17 times in the last four minutes. And everybody's turning that one off. Yeah. So it's just really interesting, the psychology behind this, but I'm curious what, right, what the average viewer is, uh, is thinking about it. It might be one of those things where you just click no because it sounds scary. Mm-hmm. A lot of users will just turn it off because it sounds scary and they've never seen a notification like that before. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Facebook will be hurt by it, no doubt. Netflix is adding an audio-only mode in its Android app. And I think it's a good idea. I know Netflix is not exactly the app you think about when you think about listening in the background. But I have to be honest with you, Will. The busier I've got, the more I find myself listening to YouTube in the background. Mm. And I'm not talking about music. Mm. I'm talking about videos that I really feel I want to catch up on. However, it's harder for me to set aside the time. And I'll just have it playing over the audio in the car. Mm. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll start a video inside. I'll jump in the car. The Bluetooth will still be connected. I'll turn the screen off. YouTube background play on YouTube premium. And I'll just finish the video without watching the video. I know it sounds terrible. You're like, it's a video. You got to watch the video. But you can extract a certain percentage of the information listening. Mm-hmm. I guess this show's an example. If you consume this show right. on YouTube, you might want the audio. And there's plenty of stuff like that on Netflix. Maybe it's a documentary. You're trying to, trying to learn something. And you need to you need to preserve bandwidth. Yeah. And you're like, I want to watch this awesome documentary. And I, I really want to hear the interviews that take place in the documentary. I can visualize whatever visuals would have been there. You know, it's a World War II documentary or something. And or maybe it's a portion thing where you when you aren't traveling, you watch a certain amount in the video mode and then a certain amount in the audio mode. Yeah, I would see like a comedy show would be useful mm, for audio. A live comedy performance yeah yeah or like uh letterman has like a talk show yeah on netflix so. yeah these are all great ideas and uh it's nice to have an option there i don't know if there's any filmmakers that are upset about it probably yeah Cinema. anyway now you can while watching a video you will see a video off button at the top of the full screen video player once the video is turned off a blank screen will appear along with all of the playback controls a scrub bar forward backward buttons and speed adjustments but just no video playing. Mm. Now, you can turn the video back on at any moment in time. Uh, You and I were talking about how YouTube deals with this. You just minimize it. It plays in the background. We were curious, though, if it keeps on streaming the full... The video portion. The full data rate. Yeah. The video portion, or if it toggles back once you've minimized it to only stream the audio. It's a curious question because bandwidth does become an issue for some users who have very limited uh, data. Anyway... Audio is becoming the new thing. It's becoming very popular. You have yeah, a Spotify making all of its moves in podcasting. Yeah. Twitter launched an audio-only aspect where you could just post audio. Uh, I think TikTok's doing something audio-only. And now Netflix is going to have an audio-only feature. Mm-hmm. Twitch bans the word simp. Yeah, it's uh, they've got. I guess they're updating the community guidelines and they're trying to get rid of harassment. This new policy will go into effect on January 22nd. It includes stricter rules around harassment and seems to give Twitch more leeway to ban streamers and commenters who make offensive comments. This word simp, are you aware of it? I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah. If you've been around the internet, it kind of it became a hot term. Just I don't know recently, sort of mm-hmm. here, it's on 
social media. Yeah. The, the big YouTubers are talking about it. It just it means a a man who seems desperate for a woman's attention. Yeah. For some reason that sounds appropriate. You know oh. those one of those words where you just hear it and it's like, "Oh, that's Oh, it exactly sounds like what, what it, is? it is. Yeah. Well, kind of like a wimp, simp. I don't know what the kind origin. Of. I have no idea what the origin of it is. Uh of course, the context of simp seems to matter too. I don't know. Can it apply to real life, or does it have to be online? Like, are, do you have does you have to be a, a guy watching a streamer mm. to be a simp, or can he can that also extend to real life? I that I don't know. I guess it probably can. Why can't it? Yeah. Anyway, the term took off. Probably should bring up a Google Trends. Actually, I'm curious how much it took off in the last year. It exploded, became absolute pop culture and you know we gotta be scientific about it here let's see how big it got Willie, do with the google trends on the term simp i bet you it exploded oh wait what oh that's 12 months give me give me uh like a couple years give me past five years five yeah right years. right there you got it yeah so it came out of nowhere and it hit its peak march 8th 2020 yeah it peaked, but it came out of nowhere. It was, it was, let me look at it. It was a zero on the trends graph. It's actually down a little bit now. So Twitch is a bit behind the times as far as banning it. Uh, but it, I guess it took some time to analyze how it was being utilized. And I suppose they determined that it was being utilized in a harassing kind of way. South Dakota? It's hot in South Dakota and Utah. In Utah? Yeah, it's hot. But it's hot in a lot of places. I mean, it's a 99 in North Dakota. Yeah. And anyway, people looking up the meme, you can see the other breakout search terms to go along with it. I don't know. It's a weird term because it doesn't really seem like that much harassment. A man who wants a woman's attention, that to me, that applies to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, but it might sound condescending. Well, it's definitely not a compliment. No. But there's so many terms. I, I, I bet you it's just a volume thing. I bet you you're a Twitch, you work at Twitch, you're so sick of dealing with this term. You're just like, let's just get rid of it. Right. You're just, because of let's the volume. Cancel, if it was still being used in a, at a small volume, a small number of times, I don't know that it would be treated the same way, but it's once it gets adopted and then it's an everybody's, I'm just guessing, I don't use Twitch that much, but I'm guessing it's just everywhere to the point where it becomes distracting or starts to affect people's experiences. That's mm -hmm. my guess. Anyway, they banned a couple of other terms to include, including virgin, which on its own, that one could be perceived, doesn't have to be negative, does it? I don't think so. It seems like a pretty normal term. Well, anyway, that's, that's a banned insult as well, and also incel. Now, these banned words, apparently it's still open to interpretation as far as how it was being used, but that's going to be tough to govern. It kind of has to kind of apply it across the board. Mm -hmm. So, Twitch users, uh, uh, well, I'm letting you know. In, I'm letting you know in advance here if these rules take place. Yeah. Uh, hope you had fun during. Don't be use, using your username <laughs> yeah, as you simp had, or something. I hope you had a fun simp era. Yeah. This is a crazy story. iPhone 6s falls out of a plane and survives, and all the action of the fall is recorded. Well, this is one way for it to, for a phone to survive. I mean, I had a case for one 
Uh, also, it landed on some sand by the looks of it, mm -hmm. which that's going to be a bonus if you're a phone looking to survive. So this was apparently a documentary filmmaker, Ernesto Galeotto, and he dropped his iPhone while, I guess, attempting to record some video out the window of a small aircraft that looks like a two-seater aircraft. And you can kind of hear a little yelling and stuff at first. As the thing starts to drop, it picks up steam and starts to spin really rapidly. And you're curious what's going to happen when it drops. But when it drops, it's just looking up. It sees a little bit of grass and completely survives. The guy used Find My iPhone to go and actually collect it. There's a clip of the video, which... This one? Uh, I think if you want to see the phone fall and go to the bottom video. On the page you were on there, scroll down a little further there. There it is. This it's is actually kind of a nice shot at first. Oh, yeah. That's a, it's unfortunate he's up in the plane and all he's got is an iPhone 6S. Uh, more, but anyway, I'm nerd oh right goodness. now talking about that. Anyway, so like the thing falls steam. down and look at it spinning like wild. Start picking up steam and you're wondering, will it crash? Will it die? All of a sudden it turns into a case commercial. Even though I feel like the phone without the case in this circumstance would have survived anyways. Mm. Look, it just lands and looking up at the sky. And so it survived. Oh, Don't underestimate nice the iPhone 6S. That's a famous iPhone, man. That came out after the Bentest iPhone. And it was when Apple employed a brand new aluminum alloy, which included more zinc, which actually made the, made the device a little bit less likely to bend. And I was super curious about this when it happened. I took it to this uh, element analysis place to figure out what exactly was going on because they had improved on the exact same design substantially as far as the strength was concerned simply by adding another element to the original alloy concoction. Creating something that wasn't in the directory as far as your typical, what was called, I believe, 7000 series aluminums at the time. Hmm which was in the directory. Very interesting stuff. Anyways, 6S lives to see another day, although you still need an upgrade at this point. I mean, what are we doing? Maybe this, see, this phone, now you got to keep this phone. Now it, this is a major relic. Now you can't Now you yeah. can't even upgrade this phone. Oh, man. I guess you got it back, eh? Yeah, you got it back. You yeah. used Find My iPhone. Last story of the day, what's going on in Japan? Wearing someone else's face. That's what's going on. Oh. Hyper-realistic masks to go on sale in Japan. Uh, facial camouflage, but somebody else's face. So you just feel the need, Will, to wear someone else's face, not your own. Man, just wearing just, someone's face. I mean, it's not their what actual a face. It's a, it's a mask, but it's a mask of their face. Mm. It is curious that this type of stuff doesn't happen more often, but I guess it's uh, it's happening now. Now, these... This is not any kind of high-tech type of thing. It's more art, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Yeah, I agree. And these faces, what will happen is it's an artist's rendering based on the identity of an actual person. And they try to make it look as photorealistic as possible. They're going to be expensive because they are truly uh, pieces of art, as far as I'm concerned. They're going to come in around 950 USD a piece. Okay. But... I don't know if people will actually wear them or is it more of a is it more art you can wear? I mean uh, it's certainly it's it's a vibe to it, man. I it brought me back to the 
was it the original Mission Impossible where they were peeling the oh, yeah. they're yeah, peeling yeah. the masks off that are hyper realistic? This obviously doesn't look quite like that. You'd have to have some long hair or you mentioned a hoodie or something to make it believable, but the lips aren't gonna move or uh I they're probably made of a harder material. Is it rubber? You know what? Like no, they're actually made of it does say it in here. Created on a 3D printer. 3D printer. They sent photos and launched a project in October. An artisan then reworked the winning image created on a 3D printer. So I don't know what it's made out of. It doesn't... It seems super thin to me. Hmm. Maybe not quite like paper, but also not crazy robust. Anyway, it doesn't go into a tremendous amount of detail as to, as to why people want this, but I think it's more of a why not. I don't know. Because you can type of thing. Yeah. Maybe have a collection of faces. You get to go out as some different person all the time. Hmm. I don't know how healthy that is. I, I agree with you. I think it's more of like an art piece. Where it's an art piece. Maybe collect. It's like a hyper-realistic... <laughs> What did you say? You wear you wear it occasionally. You wear it occasionally. Night out on the town. Wow. Yeah. No, but isn't it weird, Will, that masks, the idea of a mask is okay. It's like, oh, Halloween or, I don't know, Mardi Gras or something. A mask, but if it's hyper-realistic, it's weird. Yeah. They have to be novelty, but like if they look like an actual another person, then all of a sudden you ask a question, why, what do you do with the mask? Yeah. What? Why are you wearing my? Why are you wearing me? Yeah, why are you wearing my face? Why'd you choose that it's, one? Uh, yeah, it gets into the uncanny valley right. vibe too. Right. Yeah. It's not a person. Yeah, because you're not having fun. It's not a joke. I guess when you wear those novelty masks, you're having fun. It's like I'm wearing this because it's fun. Uh huh. This mask is. I don't even. I can't see your identity at all. And you've chosen just another person's identity. Mm -hmm. It's very it's curious. Like, what are you? What are you doing? Anyway, the things look kind of kind of scary realistic if it weren't for the edges. You can see the edges of the thing sitting on the front of the face. Mm -hmm. Although I maybe that's the point. Maybe they still want people to know it's a mask. Maybe it's just about the artistry. Maybe will it's just wow. That I can appreciate. This is amazing how hyper realistic an artist can render a human face and I want to wear that. I mean, this guy wearing his own face on a mask, that's a different level. Yeah. You I mean, he, he has does? the face. <laughs> yeah, he's doubling it up. <laughs> you think he does, though? Or is this just an example? I think I would. You would? You well, would wear your face. If I'm trying to sell masks of realistic faces, how crazy would that be? I'm out in public. I got the, I got the fake face of my own face. I lift that face. I'm like, this is my face. <laughs> and I can show people, just like this image, how good of a job could be done. Yeah, it's like the real thing. Oh my goodness. I could just hold it up next to my own face and I just marketed a face for you to buy. Look, man, I don't know. Uh, what can I say? Yeah. Japan.